of repression outstrips our ability to understand it and that is the real trick of the imperial thought machine it is easier to hide behind 40 atrocities than a single incident hello everyone <laughs> welcome to the monday Lorians. i thought i'd set the tone for a very what's the term they use a, an episode that goes harder than it needs to in a lot of ways uh yeah and we're back talking about uh cassian andor of course so for, for our new listeners, welcome to the Monday Lorians. We're a casual podcast discussing all things Star Wars every Monday, as long as we have things to talk about. And we explore the stories, themes, characters, and have a lot of fun along the way. So this, this week with Cassie and Andor, we're on episode five, The Axe Forgets. Once again, directed by Susanna White and written by Dan Gilroy. So I'm Niall, and I'm really happy today to have a returning guest for her first like episode-based recap review whatever we call these episodes laura how are you doing what's been up hi i'm good thank you it's nice to be back and uh well to talk about andor i've not really had chance to talk to anybody about it it's difficult isn't it because i i think with a lot of the guests and people we talked to so far this is probably this is my favorite star wars show they've made so far touch woods see if it pays mm, off yeah but on online there's not that much discussion like every other show I see a lot of it. And this one, I think, I don't know what it is, but it's more difficult. I haven't seen anything at all. People were talking about the first three episodes when they dropped, because obviously they dropped in one go. But after yeah. that, it's been like radio silence. There is nothing at all. And it, I just find it really strange for Star Wars. It is strange, because I do know, I was reading up earlier that the first few episodes had a very good viewership rate, apparently, but... I'm sure people are viewing it, but maybe they're just happy to not have to jump online to, to drop hot takes immediately. Whereas I've just had to um, mute all references to House of the Dragon, which is a show I'm really enjoying. I don't know if, if you watch that. but No, but I the... keep seeing it constantly on pretty much every single social media outlet. Yeah, because in America, they get it on a Sunday night. And so I don't get to watch it till a Monday evening. No. So it's a it's a hellscape just trying to. I'm not a big spoiler person, but I like to just go in with like a pretty clear head and not hear like reactions. And some and when people try not to spoil things, they're like, "Oh, well, a character dies." I was like, "That is even worse." Yeah, that's because now I'm thinking every character. But yeah, um, so it's been a while. And last time we were together, we were talking about Lego Star Wars. Yeah. And this is like a hysterically different spec end of the spectrum of what Star Wars is, isn't it? This is completely different and especially like tone wise as well. So Re different to the game. It really is. But I would love to see a Lego Andor at this point. Uh, I hope they do an expansion. So Laura, just like, I think you've given a little hint, but overall, how are you finding the series? I'm like really enjoying it. Like, I put this on Twitter after I watched the first three episodes that this could end up being the best series so far, which 
I think it's, it's quite a shock for me because The Mandalorian's been my absolute mm. favourite and I didn't think anything would ever top it. Well, it's a big problem for us in the show because we've named ourselves after it now. Yeah. <laughs> we'll I don't... have to change it to the Andorlorians. I think it's a bit late now and, uh, to is. change it. <laughs> but no disrespect to The Mandalorian, of course. Oh, none at all. Mandalorian's incredible, but for completely like different reasons. They're two very different shows, but incredible, for, I'd say, for different reasons. And I think listeners who've heard you speak on the our Lego Star Wars episode will be, they're, they're really dying to know, Laura, because this is very important. What does your dad think of it? Oh, he loved it. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Absolutely loves Brilliant. it. Great stuff. I always like to get an update from your dad on Star Wars. <laughs> Got to pay respect to the old guard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good stuff. So, um... Yeah, I suppose this week I wanted to kind of structure a talk around a topic I found kind of interesting, which is the episode structure of Andor itself. Yeah. Because we had the first three episodes drop on the same day, and I'm sure you, like me, watched all three of them day one. And so they provide kind of like a very clear narrative arc, whereas as individual episodes, they don't specifically, no. you know? Because this is something, um, I don't know if you watched The Boys, but uh, the showrunner of The Boys was talking about this recently in regards to streaming shows, where he finds a lot of streaming shows are always are like spinning their wheels until like the last episode of the season. Yeah. Whereas for them, they want every episode to have something like big and memorable and shocking happened. And, you know, there's arguments to be made for both sides. But I was just wondering, like, what do you make of it? Because I am like, I've really enjoyed every episode so far. But it is telling after episode three, episode four uh, on Undani is like setting up a new little arc. Mm -hmm. Like I'm pretty sure next week we're going to have the big heist. Yeah. So how are you how are you finding that? Do you find that this is like a good way to structure it? Or would you prefer like longer episodes that tell like complete arcs? Usually I have always been the type of person where I do like everything dropping like weekly. I've never been able to watch like a whole TV show in a day, so I usually get yeah. stuff spoiled for me pretty quickly. Where with a weekly structure, obviously, there's no spoilers. But given the way they are doing the story arcs in Andor, I do think it'd probably be better dropping, not all of it at once, but dropping each arc at once. So like you say, the first arc, it worked by doing it all together. I think this next little arc, which is probably, I'm going to say, will probably end next episode, would have been better dropping it the same week I think it might have worked better might have maybe had people talking more but overall I'm not really like phased by how it's being released yeah I'm I'm with you on that because it's funny because I have seen I was reading a a review earlier by a a publication who were still pretty positive but they gave it like a three out of five because they were like oh well this shows all talk no action and that's kind of crazy to me because I think the strength of this show, and I'm not being rude to the rest of Star Wars, but what makes this feel really different is that all the dialogue is really good. Yeah. Like a lot, of, even my favorite Star Wars movies have some crummy dialogue, but that's because they're going for that space opera, serial drama kind of thing. And it's that's expected, 100% yeah. fine. But this is written by a guy who writes like a lot of thriller movies and very political things. Like that's why I wanted to quote that line at the top of the show. Yeah. 
it's like because good gravy like they went so hard on that character and his like his views that i found so interesting i think he's become like the fan favorite from that episode i have seen a lot of people people who aren't even watching the show dropping that screen grab and going like how is this in a star wars tv show you know it's very deep for star wars and it's definitely more aimed at like i'd say an adult audience like Mm. definitely like an older audience over like kids sir yeah and i like that i like that it's not because i think kids of a certain age could still really enjoy the show but it's not condescending to them because i always hate that with children's media when it it treats kids like they're not smart kids yeah i work i work as a support tutor and kids are very smart (laughs) that's all that's all i'll say on that no you are right though because some people describe this show as when it first was coming out the first reviews were calling it hbo star wars and then when you watch it, I, I thought that was ridiculous. When you watch it, you see the budget yeah. and kind of the, the tone of it. I was like, okay, I do get you. I understand that. I haven't really been... The only other shows I've been comparing it to is like the obvious, like the other, the past Star Wars shows. I'll be honest, I don't watch lots of TV at all. Like I've been more for film over telly. But mm. I can't help but keep comparing it, not to The Mandalorian, but to Kenobi and The Book of Boba Fett, especially since it's all come out in the same year. Oh I'm just God, literally putting everything, <laughs> pitting everything against like each other of like, yeah. but each shows like has is good on different like levels and different aspects. But Andor basically just like knocks it out of the park like every week, like compared to the other two, which is kind of crazy, seeing as how we're, we're just coming up to the halfway mark. Basically, like every Star Wars show, it has been good in like its own, like unique way. But com and or compared to the other two we've had this year, it just knocks it out of the park like completely. And we're not even at the halfway point. I mean, what it'd be episode six next week? Yet Kenobi had yeah. six episodes, and already Andor's like miles better. Mm. Which I haven't told Jake that yet, and I kind of <laughs> don't want to tell Jake that. I like that Jake is becoming like the Palpatine of the show. It's like this off-screen presence. It's like the Emperor will be displeased with your opinion. It's not so much the Palpatine. <laughs> it's just I know how I much know. he adores the prequels and how much he adores Obi Wan Kenobi as a character. I kind of don't want to break his heart. Oh well, Obi Wan Kenobi is my favorite Star Wars character, and I I really like the Kenobi show. But it's it's weird to look at it now, now that this has come out. That yeah. These projects were both like in the same pipeline it's weird but i've got i've got tremendous affection for both and speaking of affection laura if i recall last time you're on a recording or maybe after recording is rogue one your favorite star wars film or is it one of your favorites it's not my favorite my favorite empire strikes back but rogue one is a very close second right and i wanted to ask you this because i don't know um you might not have heard our Rogue One recap we did before this, but I'm not a Rogue One guy. It's never quite clicked for me. Okay. And I find that, I find that really interesting, though, because I'm enjoying the show so much. But in a way, it ends with something I know I don't really like. And I, I found, I've been finding that really funny to reconcile, that the, yes. the like series finale of this, I already know it, I'm, I'm quite met on it overall. Yeah. So I was just wondering, for you now, because you, you, you enjoy Rogue One a lot more than I do, how are you finding this as backstory specifically to that film? I think it's it's working a lot better than I thought because I knew it was going to be obviously a backstory of the Rebels and I didn't know if it was going to be jump straight into Andor already being part of the Rebels or if it was going to obviously show 
how he joined. But it's been it's been a lot more informative than I think I expected because of the fact that we're learning more so how the Rebels began, but knowing as well that it takes place at the same time as the show Rebels as well is quite interesting. It's all like running alongside each other and it's quite interesting seeing two different sides to it if you think about yeah. it really, yeah. Which is really funny you say that because I, I don't remember which episode it was, but we were saying like at the same time like Cassian Andor is looking for his sister in a brothel I think, like, Zeb and Ezra are running around trying to get fruit. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And then I think in one of these episodes, it might have been on Mon Mothma's table, I think that fruit is on the table. And I was like, oh, that's yeah. one of those, like, little point, And it just made me laugh because it was something we were discussing. Uh, that's good. Uh, have, have you watched all of Rebels, Laura? Yeah, uh, we finished it. I think it was earlier this year we finished it. Um, oh, cool. So I think it was just around when Kenobi came out we finished it. Right, because I, I really want to do some Rebels episodes at some point, so it's good to know. Yeah, I think we've covered that rather nicely, so I think it'd be nice to talk about some like episode-specific stuff then. So is there anything from this episode that you'd like to bring up? I think what I've been enjoying a lot is how, as much as not a lot happens in the episode, there is so much character development, and even for like mm. the, the smaller characters, we learn so much about them from such like in such a short space of time which Mm. is what i'm really enjoying the most out of it all to be honest yeah and that's why it always surprises me by people who say uh, well by certain reviewers or people online who are saying that nothing's happening in the show it's like but (laughs) people talking is stuff happening people revealing who they are and more information and that's why i think my favorite stuff in this episode is cyril's depressing family life now that he's gone home to his mother (laughs) That that is absolutely killing me. It is, it's it's so unbelievable that this is in a Star Wars show. This like sad little fascist boy who's lost his job and has had to go back to his his mother who just tears him apart at his soul. He's just eating cereal. But for some people though, it could be like quite like relatable to be honest. So it's kind of nice seeing stuff in Star Wars that you can relate to, say yourself. Yeah. Like the relationship between the two of them is is brilliant because it feels like a real a real world relationship. Yeah, it does. I'm sure a lot of people have. Like, there's that line she has. I note it down. She says, "You might as well wear a sign that says, I promise to disappoint you.'" <laughs> She's brutal. Like, she, yeah. She, it 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 kills me. I I love this stuff. I love that this character who is our main. Pretty much our main antagonist for the first three episodes. Yeah. The next two episodes have spent their time, like, showing, like, what a sad dude he is. And even even though he's not a good person, seeing this, like, if I saw anyone in this situation, I'd start to feel for them a bit, you know? I'm already starting starting to. Like, he's gone from being, like, in quite a decent, like, position in his job to losing it all in the space of, like, a, a couple of days. And just basically, he's like, has to go back to live with his mother. And now his mother's basically like treating him like a piece of shit, basically. All for like a small mistake that wasn't even his fault. Really interesting as well that they keep mentioning this Uncle Harlow. I literally wanted to bring that up because I've been like the last few days, I've been thinking, is it going to be somebody like important? Is it going to be, is it like another name for somebody we already know? Like, 
I've been thinking about it a lot, and it's probably not even going to be like that big. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was thinking that, but then I'm almost thinking that they deliberately left his interactions off screen, which is very interesting. This show seems to do a lot, like with um, Mon Mothma's dinner parody that was promised last week. Yeah. It seems like that is something that's just happened to kind of texture her home life rather than it's going to be... Though I was very excited for a really awkward dinner party with the Emperor's girlfriend or whoever she is in this canon. That would have been uh, really interesting, actually. It's something that you wouldn't expect to see, but I think after we'd have got it, it'd been like, why have they never done this before? And actually, I suppose that segues in, because it's a weird theme of the show so far, is that both um, both Cyril and Mon Mothma have just the most rotten family lives. Yeah, I mean... I do like the development we're getting on Mon Mothma because literally we know barely anything about her apart from that she's like a leader in the rebellion. So mm. it's nice to get a backstory for her and knowing that she doesn't come from like the whole, like as much as like there's all the glitz and glamour going on in her life, personal mm. life wise, it's not exactly amazing. And it's interesting as well because the daughter really tears into her very mean, very mean daughter, I must say. But tears into her for saying like she only cares for public appearances about all these things. I'm wondering is that like the start of a character act towards outright joining the rebellion yeah, and throwing it all aside? That shocks me because it's like, but Mon Mothma does so much for the rebellion. But then obviously, when you think about it, it's like, oh, we haven't got to that point yet. Like I'm mm. thinking of the stuff we've already got, and it's like, oh no, wait, hang on, that's years before. So mm. it'd be quite a nice character arc if that's the reason why she goes down the path she does is because of the way she's viewed by her own daughter yeah and what do you remember what it is there's a great scene with her and her husband in the car going home after some function oh what was the function but just um just that he did the husband deliberately asks for the driver to take a faster route yeah to spend less time talking to her like could we be looking at our first star wars divorce we could well be because the tension in that car, you could have cut it with a knife. Like, I saw a meme of, it was of those two <laughs> in the car and somebody had made a fake like marriage story poster mm. and it was of those two. Uh, no joke, last week on the episode, me and um, our guest Darren were joking about that. We were talking about Mon Mothma in the bar singing Stephen Sondheim songs. <laughs> Be a good way to bring Adam Driver back with time travel into the canon, but I digress. Be great. <laughs> but I, yeah, I'm. I really love this stuff. I could have taken a whole show of Mon Mothma's horrible life and seeing her like go from this kind of put upon mother and wife to these ungrateful people to becoming a hero. You know, yeah, that would have been fresh. But I am. I'm loving what we're getting. This is one of those things. I don't know about you, Laurie, if if you've watched any of the Rings of Power. No, we are waiting till the whole series has dropped at the moment. Right, because that's a show I started off really liking. But as it's gone along, I've come to realise that I like probably two of the storylines in it a lot. Okay. And the rest of them I don't. Yeah. And that's that was also saying I had when I originally watched Game of Thrones years ago is there's just so many disparate storylines and a lot I don't care about. But yeah. this is a show where every angle of it, I really enjoy. I love the Cassian stuff, the Mon Mothma stuff, the Lufin stuff, yeah. the villain stuff when it cuts away to them. Every it's single great. aspect and every storyline is interesting because each person we're focusing on is such a different character. You want to mm. know more about them. You want to know like 
what what happens next, where they go from here. I think that the one that I'm most intrigued about is probably like Luthen because he's got mm. like two completely different sides. He's got like the whole like quite posh like upmarket, like has a shop of all like these amazing relics and then he's got like the dodgy dealings like with um Cassian and Vel and I'm like, Okay, what is your story? Like I would love a whole series just on him. But like backstory series. And it's something really interesting because we've obviously um you've been on uh like a, a friend's podcast capes cows and masks yep. where they, they talk about superheroes a lot and superheroes the idea of the alter ego is so central to that and it's not really been a big thing in star wars this idea of secret identities because obviously it's like darth vader but that's not so much a secret as he becomes a different person we do have the secret identity obviously like palpatine obviously in the prequels Oh, kind of. Yeah, yeah kind of. I, I suppose because he wasn't like a, a protagonist. He's just like in the shadows. Oh, well, of. yeah, true. No, it was a good shout though. But in this, we've got characters who have multitudes, as Bob Dylan would say. Oh, yeah. It's like this idea of Mon Mothma putting up this front, but she's actually like working with this guy who's also putting up a front. He's wearing a wig so we can do like space crimes. Yeah. Which is so, so cool. I, but you're right, I absolutely love this angle to it. And that scene at the end when Lufen is like, his his resolve is wavering and he's so worried. Yeah. And he's he's being like told by his assistant, like, well, you got work tomorrow, so you know, pick it up, you know? I love that. I love that dynamic because the assistant from the first episode that she appears in, I wasn't sure whether she was completely clued into his what he really does. But it seems like... If, she if seems to know, yeah. If he is like Space Batman with his alter ego, she is Space Robin. <laughs> I love that Space Batman, Space Robin. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> but yeah, Stellan Skarsgård has been a, a real highlight. It's just amazing seeing an actor who's like got such like a strange spread of roles from his like Marvel stuff yeah. to his like very perverse Danish films he's made. It's so great to see him in this with a character I think he's really relishing playing because there's a lot of meat on the bones of these characters for the actors. They are. They're, so nice. they're not just like vague characters. They're all like very well constructed. Yeah, which is funny because Star Wars has always worked off archetypes yeah. and things like that, like mythic storytelling. And this is one that's kind of cut it down to the bone. Like we don't even have a straightforward... Uh, rebels versus empire in this because even a lot of our bad guys don't really work for the empire they work for the systems that have grown under the empire yeah and i kind of like that and i i know obviously mm. the next series of andor we'll get is focuses on like the last four years of the rebel in the empire but it's nice seeing how it kind of gets to that point of rebel versus empire it's because we don't really have obviously a lot between that tenure not tenure yeah. well the ten years oh. of like can all be up to like the battle you have and I'll go for say. Yeah. 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 I was rewatching a bit of the first episode last night actually because I was um uh I th- I think my girlfriend will really like it, but she was really tired. And I'd forgotten at the start of the show it comes up like uh it tells you the the, the name of the planet and also the year, like five BBY. Yeah. And it's so strange seeing that on screen because that's always been something from like you see at the start of the books or the uh, reference guides. It took my dad a split second when it first came up and he just paused and just under his breath just went, BBY. And I went, before the Battle of Yavin. And he went, of course. (laughs) Which which is funny though because like it took your dad a second. He's a big Star Wars head. But I do wonder like general audiences, 
do they just think that's like space bullshit for AD or BC, you know? I think like, because I have seen a couple of people on Twitter and these people were not joking. They were being deadly serious. They were saying, I don't understand. Like, and all they were like, I thought he died at the end of Rogue One. They didn't realise it was set beforehand. And I was just like, mm. oh God. And I was like, I shouldn't laugh. I was like, but, oh dear. Yeah. Right, I, I, still, I, still have do, I still have close friends who who thought that the the mandalorian was the was yoda's origin story that that was truly yoda's <laughs> baby oh and my god there are so many layers of of like rage to my fandom that i need to let go because it's an absolutely fair mistake to make if you don't keep up with this stuff to be and honest absolutely it is, fine if you're somebody who say only seen like the original trilogy and nothing else then goes into the mandalorian you probably would think oh it's yoda and yeah i kind of get that i would like it if disney plus at one point like actually put up a timeline for people so if they're about to jump in they're like oh that takes place there that takes place there yeah i know they do some like chronological order things but it's just not as not as sexy it's looking at a nice timeline you know no because i think it does get a little bit confusing for people because especially now we've got all these series it does get a little bit complicated of what fits in where but Andor's mm. in that nice spot of like it's that time. To be honest, the time period Andor's in is the time period that I love the most of yeah. the Star Wars universe. I like I like it as well because it's a very like hopeless time in a lot yeah. of ways, and I find it really interesting, especially now because obviously this whole series started with what later became known as a new hope but this whole thing yeah. like oh the, the like chosen ones here it's like but what do we do in a time when there is no like chosen hero by destiny when it, everyone's just a regular person like under the foot of tyranny i love that stuff i think a few weeks ago we we're talking about why we love stories set in like nazi occupied france yeah because it's, it's that same thing it's like the villains are so evil and seeing regular people stand up it's great stuff laura i think at the moment like just we were on the mention in hope then i like as well at the moment that there doesn't seem to be like that moment of hope they don't realize that there's there is one day hope to bring down the empire so mm. it's i know it's obviously building towards that and obviously i know it obviously it leads into rogue one but it's nice just seeing that build up yeah and yeah no it's oh it's so good this is like i feel mad doing the andor recordings in a way because i'm so used to like talking about an episode of saying and I'll where I'll be like positive but also have negatives and this one I I need to really struggle to come up with negatives I don't actually have thing. any negatives at all so far for Mandor like there's been none I think because I know it's such a long series it's not got me thinking well what how on earth are they gonna like finish this off saying like I don't know two three more episodes I know there's like another seven episodes so it's like it's and fine. a film that came out <laughs> six years well, exactly, ago. <laughs> exactly. We know how it ends. And obviously, we know with the next series, we get the four years before. So we all we know anything that's unanswered at the end of this, we'll get next time. So no, hmm. I, I, usually when I'm watching a TV show, there's always a few things like in the back of my head. Like, oh, well, they need to wrap this up. They need to answer this question, that question. I've got nothing at all, yeah. which is quite strange. Because in Kenobi... In Book of Boba Fett, I had so many different things going around my head of like, mm. well, hang on, hang on, what, what about this, 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 and this? But I, oh, as well as plot stuff in those, I always had that kind of 
I realized that it, it's not like a healthy way to watch a show, though, where in those specifically because of the tone they went for, I was always thinking like, I wonder is there going to be a cameo? Is mm-hmm. A character going to show up? Is B character? And it's so nice to watch this, not having to worry about that. Because we know yeah. like, there will be like clone troopers at some point and Saw Gerrera, I think, is in it. But that's I, yeah, I think fine. he is this series, yeah. Yeah. And as well as new things, there was two here I took a note of I wanted to talk about. Quite dark things that are yeah. in this that's kind of like really explicit for Star Wars is we've got a very, very overt case of in-universe racism with the following line. Not too many Dannys left here to worry about anymore, though, eh? Still enough to smell them, right? Can you imagine this place with a couple thousand of them? So says Corporal Kimsey. That is not my opinion, for the record. I like the Eldani people a great amount. But uh, I thought that was really interesting as well to, like, go quite far. Because obviously, like, in in our real world, like, the way people smell is being used as, like, a common, like, nonsensical yeah. form of racism. And to you see it used casually in a workplace environment like this by the bad guys. I just thought that was a really good way to engage with it without being too like on the nose like appealing to kind of modern terminology if that yeah. makes sense no I, I completely get where you're coming from like this show does seem to deal with a lot of more like real world topics than you might get in anything other like with the star wars stuff which i think a lot of people is like kind of connecting with like again like we were saying earlier like with cyril what happened like with his mom it's things people can like connect with and it's stuff that might say be going through themselves mm. so it's it is quite relatable show with certain aspects of it and i think that is another thing that i do like it's is relatable it is it's crazy because even there was stuff in the first few episodes when they're talking to fiona shaw's character it's like little joke about oh tell like tell your mum that she can afford to heat your house and with what we're yeah. going through in britain at the moment i, I can't stop thinking about that stuff <laughs> She's like the type of one where it's like, oh, it's cold. Can I put the heat on? Like, no, it costs too much. And it's just like, that's pretty much, you know, quite a lot of households today. And the following, this is the other thing I want to bring up. Uh, This is a story told by Arvel Screen, who's played by Ebon Moss Backrack. His real name sounds like it could be a Star Wars name. That is really cool. It really does, yeah. (laughs) Cool name. He's a great actor. Like, I've seen him pop up in a few things. And he's on that new show, The Bear, that just got added to Disney+. Plus. Yeah, that which is supposed to be incredible. Yeah, I, I might I might watch the first episode tonight because I love stuff set in kitchens, hence my ratatouille mania. But <laughs> Hello everyone. This is lower audio quality, Niall, from the future. I just wanted to interject at this point in the edit to say I sat down to watch the first episode of The Bear and ended up watching six. Great show. Look forward to our bear special coming. Probably never, but I'm probably going to bring it up in future episodes. Back to me and Laura. I was I was about to talk about something really dark, and I brought up Ratatouille. <laughs> Very bad move. Ratatouille is a dark film, though, when you think about it. Well, that, I think that's a conversation for the Ratatouille special. Yeah. That I'm going to force us all to do at the end of the year. I'll happily join, because it's one of my favourite Pixar films. It might be the best film ever made, Laura. I, I honestly believe it. It is one of them. <laughs> anyway, back to Star Wars. Anyway, back to the, <laughs> anyway, suicide. That's what this bit's about. He tells a harrowing story of how his brother lost his farm and because his whole way of life was ruined, he drowned himself in a river. Like, the whole concept of Star Wars bringing up someone's, like, 
financial situation getting so terrible he ended his own life i couldn't believe what i was hearing like twice in this episode i was like absolutely shocked it's not what you'd expect from star wars at all no but it like you said it's so like relatable and human because we've got like these stories in real life <laughs> and and it because this character Aravel's screen i think was set up to be a bit of a you'd almost think he was going to be like a traitor to the group because he just has that way about him oh, he's yeah. like these gang tattoos he doesn't like cassian but then you hear his story it's like oh damn like you really can't again like breaking down archetypes and stereotypes in yeah. the show like you can't judge anyone by their cover in this no not at all because every character is going through their own like thing mm. so any character we come across now it's like you might think that there could be an antagonist but you don't know what's going on behind closed doors or what or what's making them act that way so yeah. you kind of can't like you say you can't really judge anybody no not really unless they're being overtly like racist against aliens oh, i yeah. think that's that's a fair one but oh, definitely, or if yeah. they're mon mothma's horrible child but <laughs> we'll go we'll get back to mon mothma's horrible child in the next few weeks <laughs> we've got a bit more context yeah so one other thing i want to talk about was um the their inside man lieutenant gorn yeah what a what a cool little character, you know, just that little backstory of he was in love with an Aldani woman and it and she died, so now he's turned on the Empire. I love that. It was so way... sad. Like everyone's got such a sad life. It's literally <laughs> just like a couple of lines of dialogue of some like little character's backstory and it was like, Oh, it's like Jesus, like this is like really deep. Yeah, I know. Like after watching this episode, I was like, I need like whiskey and a cigarette. The <laughs> Star Wars business is getting too heavy. <laughs> but um, I love, like, what a great bit of writing. The way, you know, his he like tricks his workers into thinking like it's their idea to have a skeleton crew that night. Yeah, they want to, see... and also really cute for those workers that they pretty much wanted to go see the fireworks. Oh, that, that <laughs> was sweet. Everybody. Yeah, and it was nice yeah. enough to let them have it off. <laughs> yeah in his own roundabout scheming way yeah he thinks he's I'm doing like... them a favor when really he's going behind the back which actually that that's a really smart move actually i've not actually thought about that until now it's so cool like i imagine like the first week darth vader had his job maybe some workers were like hey boss you know can we get off early on friday for a few drinks and that was the last time anyone ever asked that question to Darth Vader. Because mm. old, the old Imperial bosses we're used to are just no-nonsense, just mean for the sake of being mean. It's because they're under and, the you know, Empire, yeah. Yeah, but it's nice to see, because this show kind of takes you steps away from it in a lot of ways. Yeah. To see, like, because even with um, Cyril and the guys he worked with, like the, the, the evil Scottish guy and his boss, there's, like, a lot of human stuff to them as well. Like, they were... They seem like genuinely upset by the death of their co-workers and stuff like that. So even though you hate what they're doing, you understand that it is actually coming from kind of a sentimental place. It's it's not the clear-cut empire thing of we don't care who lives and dies. No, they're like doing they're could... doing it for like the people they worked for and like not like honor of them, but like not get revenge. Um, I can't think of the word. I know what I'm on about. I just can't get yeah. the word. Yeah, because it's a cynical thing to it too. Because they want they want to scare people into not doing it again. It's yeah. like very much so like don't kill a cop rather than anyone else thing in real life because the cops will all get you, you know? They, yeah. Because they want to maintain a certain presence or way they lo- looked at as this 
like authority figure there's that too but i find that really interesting that we've got so many angles to look at it rather than the, the completely binary black and white morality that we're used to in these stories no you are so, right and then there was one more thing and it's this is the last thing i was going to bring up uh which is i just love that scene where cassian is so angry and he realizes that none of the people he's with can drive the like the the vehicle off the rails other than him yeah just great acting great acting from diego luna who although the show's named after him so far i'm like when is this gonna become fully his show because he's such a great actor he's very understated but that he's almost like just who he is at the moment he's got to underplay himself because he's not even himself he's clem you know yeah I th- and also as well at the moment obviously there's that other many characters to establish you yeah. kind of want to get them all to a level where it's like right now it's the Cassian's like your main like drive basically. Yeah, and I, I'm hoping that this this job he's undertaking is like kind of the makings of him, you know, that this is like, yeah. you know, have you, I'm sure you have. I feel stupid asking this, but you've seen like Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. I sure have many times. Good. Uh, yeah oh my god masterpiece but the way that film starts we're doing like this condensed origin story of indiana jones yeah you know like the train the whip the snakes yada 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 i'm kind of hoping that this is almost this for him this this adventure this this heist they're pulling off i think it i think it definitely will because i think it's i think it's going to be the aftermath of this like mission i think is what is probably going to be like what what happens next for him basically i know obviously we know but like that's going to be, I think, the next path in the show. I think there's a lot. We're going to seeing storylines converge a bit more. Yeah. And I love that stuff. I love when you see how like these different threads become one, or even split off again after that. I mean, I'd say there's already a few threads where I can like see them like tying together like no problem. So obviously, like the Cassian, Luther, and Mon Mothra, I think, will tie in quite nicely. It's the Cyril, and then I can't, I can't remember her name, but like Denise, like Goths, like. Uh, character like her thread i can't for the life of me see how it's going to all tie in towards the end is that is her name blevin yes i think it is yeah supervisor blevin yeah it's those two threads where i'm like okay you're gonna go one or two ways yeah oh sorry i might be wrong because there's a few isb people and i'm mixing up their names because i think blevin is the guy on ferrix who gets a hotel as his new headquarters Yes, I think he might be, actually. Yeah. Uh, sorry again to the listeners, because I am still struggling with the names in this show. A lot of them I'm quite good with. But there are some so of them, many characters. It really is. And I don't know why, because I can remember, like, ridiculous EU character names. But these have not quite sunk in, and it's not a reflection of the quality of the show. Just my, my ailing memory. Yeah. Um, so... Ooh. Uh, one more small detail actually just because this is something i really enjoyed is that every time i think that you know andor's kyber crystal thing that lufin gave him every time someone sees it they have a completely different valuation for it because lufin says yeah. don't take less than 50 and i think um what's his name arvel screen says it's worth 20 and i think someone else says something and i think that's just quite funny as a little detail um yeah, so I think that's those are all the like notes from the show or little points I wanted to bring up. Was there anything else that stood out to you in this episode, Laura? It's it's interesting with the Kyber Crystal actually because obviously, as soon as Luthen handed him it, the first thing I thought of was Jin 
and hers mm. in Rogue One and how yeah. Cassian like reacted like to that. And then like I just literally just thought like the two parallels of it, it all. That was like my first mm. thought when he was given it. Yeah, that is interesting. I re- I only I rewatched Rogue One recently and I've actually forgotten that little beat. So when this show's over, I will definitely go back and like finishing off with a another Rogue One watch. Oh, I'm always break... watching Rogue One. Um <laughs> I-, I could literally like never get bored of it. Well, we'll have to get you on if we do if we do a uh... Another ro- we might do another Rogue One episode way in the future when Andor's over. I think like when Andor on- finishes, yeah. And I, it will be, I will I will reevaluate my position based on how I feel after spending what twenty four hours with Cassian Andor or, or whatever I'll be at at that point. Something like that. There is one thing I am curious about, and I'm curious to what you think. Obviously, we were on about cameos. Now, obviously, there is a lot of characters from Rogue One, like from like the empire and the rebels who you could see in andor like, yeah. disregard k2so because i know he's co- i think he's coming like the next series which i am yeah. gutted about do you think there's anybody we could see like in series one it's interesting yeah i was thinking of any other rogue one alumni because mm. i would love if um if ben mendelson could be in it in some capacity yeah they've, that, they've... But for me that's the one i want a lot yeah because they do mention like construction on Scarif, I think in a previous episode, I was like, maybe we'll see like just a little bit of um, crossover there. But I know he's like he's quite a big actor, so it might be difficult to get him in for yeah. one. But hey, we got Liam Neeson doing a little cameo. Exactly the second the second they mentioned Scarif, I was a bit like, oh, like it really piqued my interest. Because the, the soon as they mentioned it, I thought they could bring Ben Mendelsohn back, like no problem. It's very funny to like casually mention the planet our lead character is going to blow up on in retrospect. Oh, God. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Like, my first thought was like Director Krennic, not the fact that Cassian yeah. dies on that planet. Oh, God. I can't, like, I'm not sure in the timeline where we are quite with um, uh, Galen or so. I think he's kind of an unwilling captive of the Empire still. I would, I would love it, even not this project, but just to see more of him because I think yeah. he's like. Well, Mads Mikkelsen is a great actor, and I'd just love to see like more of that character because there's not a lot of him in Rogue One, which is a shame. There isn't, and he's such a big part of it because he's like the one who put like um, the fail like in the Death Star. Like the reason like that there is a way to blow it up is because of him. We'll see how we'll see how Oppenheimer does next summer, whenever it's out, because maybe they'll want to make their own Star Wars Oppenheimer, just about a man who made the Death Star. You know? Yeah. I, I would watch soulful that. Piece. Yeah. yeah. But it'll go up again, up in cinemas the same day as Barbie 2. No. We'll be in a situation all over again. <laughs> oh, God, not again. No. The, the, the great civil war of film Twitter, probably. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I, I'm, I'm sure they'll both be really good oh, films. Oh, definitely. I just can't decide which one to go see first. Yeah, I think... I think I'm going to toss Barbie a would be a Barbie might be a good chaser, because Oppenheimer's not going to be cheerful. No. Oh, that's a good End point. my day on a more cheerful note, I'm thinking. But hey, why am I talking about 2023, right? <laughs> there is one more question I do have in regards to Andor because I've seen a few people talking about this, but I think it's maybe a little bit too early. It's a few people who think that Cyril could end up by joining the Rebels, but then I'm like, mm, I really don't know. But then I'm like, could he end up joining because of the fact he's lost his job and everything that's happened in regards to all of that? I'm curious to what you think. 
It's interesting. I almost, I kind of see that. I was thinking because they painted him as such a narrow focused yeah. guy. I think, well, like, if his arc isn't gaining a wider perspective, then is he just going to somehow become even more intense? It's tricky because I suppose we don't know, like, is we don't actually have an idea of who is the antagonist of this show if there is going to be one if we're no, just going to see a, point. a lot of facets of antagonism yeah. you know because there was a rumor i'll bring this up just because i think it's an interesting one i i don't count rumors as spoilers especially because i don't i think this one's so far-fetched well no because some uh, the majority of them never ever happen yeah, but I thought this one was quite interesting with people saying that the villain of the series is going to be Masamida. Do you know, like, Palpatine's, like, pal with the yeah. weird head who yells yeah. order and stuff? I was like, that's quite a low-key, schemey villain. So they Yeah, that is. Well. Yeah, but I just don't know. I don't know. Maybe they Maybe. just want to steer away and just Dan Gilroy wants to make all his own characters, which is absolutely fine. Maybe the villains just all the recurring themes. Like maybe that's just like the villains of like the shows, like the themes of it. Maybe maybe the themes are just uh, what, repression and atrocities. Yeah, always great words. So yeah, um, so I suppose final thoughts for the episode. Uh, yeah, I just I loved this episode. I thought every every scene had like an interesting question to it and great dynamics. And racism and other stuff. You know? I, I should say I like loved this episode because it had racism. That's not what I meant. <laughs> that doesn't sound very good. No. What I meant is I loved that it tackles these issues. It's nice That's... to see Star Wars tackle real world issues rather than being issues like in its own little universe. Is that yeah? yeah that, that, I think that's, that's what you're trying put. to like say. Yeah. Uh, the temptation to put this episode up and just call it like the racism special or something. But we'll see. Oh, we'll see how I feel after editing. So, Laura, any final thoughts in the episode? I think my main thought is the writing of this episode. Each one's been well written, but this one so far is the standout for me. Mm. And we... if all the other episodes are written like this one, every single one's just going to be incredible. Well, if we're looking at next week, we're going to get like a, a space heist. We're in for a good time. I can't yeah. wait. So uh, we're going to do something a bit different this week. This is a new segment I wanted to start up for a while, but I finally remembered to do it before recording, is we've got some questions from some listeners. And I thought it would be interesting. They're a nice mix of quite deep and quite silly. So yeah, we'll start off. We've got, well, this week we've got two from Jake, who hasn't been on a show in a while. So he's kind of become more of a listener than a host, but he's going to be back next week, him and Dave. The original trilogy, as we call ourselves. No, we don't. That would be incredibly, incredibly self-serving. So uh, this is a fun one, because I know my answer. But Laura, what's your favourite Lufen noise so far? Because Stellan Skarsgård makes a lot of fantastic sounds. <laughs> Sorry, I can't believe... Jake's asked this. Jake has asked this. Oh my god, um... I don't know. My mind's got completely blank. Sorry, this was completely unexpected, like, as a question. How was Jake picked up on this? Jake moves in mysterious ways, but... Um, I'll tell know... you what, you answer first, because I'm intrigued now. This, Oh, this is what I'm going to keep listening out for every single week now. Thanks, Jake. Well, my, 
mine has been like a running theme. This is the first episode I've not done it because I don't okay. like it when things become like rote or you know it's like mm-hmm. something we've got to do. That's why we stopped saying hello there at the start because it's like it's too memey, you know. Yeah. But this is from the trailer that I caught up on. But the way he says Cassian Andor's name, he goes Cassian Andor. He doesn't pronounce it correctly. He just does it in his own like Swedish drawl. I was going to say that. Yeah. That. That's that's how I say it most of the time now, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I there is a few words he does say where obviously because of the Swedish accent they don't obviously come out sounding as you'd expect, but you kind of don't really take much notice of it because it's it's him. Yeah. Also, I, I it's just occurred to me how cool it is to have him in this just like a cool, like nice guy when his other big sci-fi thing is Dune, where he's just the most disgusting man in the yeah, universe. Yeah, when he first appears in Andor. I was just sat there watching it thinking, I can't take you seriously because the last thing I watched him in was Dune. And I'm like, they're two completely different characters. I was like, I can't take you seriously. Like, it took me a couple of episodes to kind of differentiate the two. Yeah, I hope he does menacingly float at one point, but we'll see. Um, so our next question, and this is this is, this is is the more like meaty question of the three, uh, is where are the aliens... And are aliens always side characters because they're more difficult to relate to as leads? I feel like that no, because you've got droids as lead characters. Do we? And K2SO was a lead in Rogue One. Kind of. I would say he was more like the comic relief than the lead. True, but he was still one of the main six out of the group. He was still one of those... Leads. Hmm. Thing is, though, alien, um, or pretty much most of the aliens, like that speak basically like English, have feelings. They are basically they're beings in their own way. Yeah, but but do you think that is kind of the thinking of why they don't say like make a show with an alien lead outside of animation, of course. I mean, it could you... be like it's, it works so well for animation. I don't see why it can't work for live action. I mean, look at how excited people got over Ahsoka being in live action. She's getting her own show. Yeah, that I think I'd say she is like the big exception in yeah. that way. And so, and, and Hera like, as well. I suppose it's like the big distinction between like the kind of humanoid ones and like they're never going to make a show starring that horrible slug man from The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> Though I would absolutely love that. Yeah. Have you seen have you seen that, that joke about him on, on online, Laura? They call him like the homophobic slug. Yeah. That is that is hysterical. Not that I condone his views on lesbians, but but the homophobic slug is just hilarious. I mean, I know I know it's not a lead character, but I know like quite a few people did like connect with Quill from The Mandalorian. And were yeah. very sad, spoiler alert, when he was, like, killed and, like, they were really upset about it because, obviously, we were never going to get any more of him because he was just a cool little character. Yeah, that that one that one stung. I think a lot of affection for him as well came from the fact there was, like, something amazing about having Nick Nolte in Star oh, Wars. Oh, yeah. When I found out it was him, I kind of, like, lost my shit. I just found it hilarious. It just, I didn't expect it to be him. That is something I'd love. And that's something I love about the show. In a way, it reminds me of season one of Mandalorian. 
because season one of Mandalorian, they just got a lot of like great character actors or people from yeah. things you wouldn't expect, like Werner Herzog, crazy. And this feels like they've got like the cream of the crop of a lot of like British TV shows. I've and a just bizarre amount say, of Game of Thrones alumni. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was just about to say I've picked up with with Andor. There is a hell of a lot of British actors, but they've picked some like brilliant ones. And also, I should say because I don't want to get corrections, I especially shouldn't. A lot of great Irish actors, very separate to British actors. Thank you. Thank there you. There is internet. an actor from my <laughs> neck of the woods which I'm very proud oh, really? of, Faye oh, Marcy, who plays Vel. She's like literally came from like ten minutes up the road from me. Oh my god, she yeah. still lived it, does she? We can't get her on the episode last night. No, minute. like, um, after we watched episode like four, I was like, I recognise her, and then I looked and I was like, oh my god, I was like, she's from Middlesbrough. I was like, that's literally like ten minutes away from me. And I told my dad, and my dad was like, I thought I recognised the accent. Like that was his first comment when I told him. I thought he was gonna say, I thought I recognised her. Like he's seen her at the post office or something. No, he recognised the accent. That's that's great. Yeah. I love that. What a nice little way to bring it home. And um, yeah, I suppose we cover that quite well. I think there is definitely, it does feel like they don't push the aliens as much as they should, I think. I think they could like, they could do more with them overall. And I get that this show is difficult because I think Dan Gilroy, you know, wants to make a very like human led drama because he's not, he's not a Star Wars guy himself. And that's fine. I think it's worked out really well. But I suppose having like a lot of puppets in a shot, maybe that's just not his bag. No, but I feel like it. It, it you're right. It wouldn't work. I think because of the story that we have, yeah. as with like the rebellion. I mean, I know there's aliens in the rebellion, but you don't see that many. Like especially yeah. like upfront, like leading. Like I am hoping if he doesn't, if he gets to do another show, he just makes like a jab at a hut crime drama. That has always been my dream. Now that would be epic. Guillermo del Toro pitched a Jabba the Hutt movie and it wasn't picked up. That haunts me. That is like the one thing I would... I didn't even know about that. That's sad. That, oh, I'm disappointed. That would be epic. A del Toro Star Wars film would be perfection. Because we, we got cheated out of his Hobbit, so we need like mm-hmm. we need something. Give me some meat. Not that he's not making stuff I love anyway, but... Oh, no, but oh. it'd be nice to see something like out of a franchise not i'm not on about marvel or dc but like yeah, yeah. lord of the rings star wars would be right up his street yeah oh well well we went off i went off topic on that question again to talk about <laughs> a movie that didn't get made but we've got one more question laura and i apologize for this right before we went on recording an old friend of mine messaged me looking to, to catch up Right. And I said, oh, I, I can't really catch up right now. I'm about to record my Star Wars podcast, which I'm surprised he's still friends with me but, <laughs> <laughs> with that answer. But uh, I asked, do you have any, and I, I put in all caps, tasteful questions you'd like to ask on the show? And the way he words this question was obscene. So right. I'm going I'm to change it so it's not. Uh, does Chewbacca use a regular people's toilet or does he go like a dog outside? oh my god um this is a horrible question who thinks of these things well obviously your friend thought of it but my my disgusting friend Um... shout out shout out to johnny who hates star wars clearly jesus um (laughs) i'd say regular like human i'm gonna go with that too because he spends a lot of time on a spaceship and he's always been around humans 
Yeah. Now, I suppose, does he raise his leg? Or is is that something female dogs do? I can't remember that. I think that's more female. Yeah? Yeah. I'm... Or is it male dogs raise the leg and females sit? I can't remember. I mean, I did see a post. Uh, this was a, f- a few years ago. And it said about how, obviously, Chewbacca's, like, obviously, you know, a couple of hundred years old. So, to him, oh, yeah. Han's, like, his third dog. <laughs> like, he goes through humans like a human would go through pets. <laughs> That is that's actually disturbed me a lot more than Johnny's <laughs> question. That, that concept. That was a, something I saw on Twitter a few years ago, and it was just like, oh, it was just like you think of Chewbacca as the pet, where really, like Chewbacca has a pet. Like, oh, oh yeah. Like when Han died, Chewba- Chewbacca just like ends up with like Ray and Finn and bits, and it's like, oh, that, that's yeah. I wonder is that how like turtles feel when they're pets? They can live so old. Oh God! Oh, yeah, that's a good this point. This is getting very existential. Yeah. This, this is... was just a, this was just literally a dog shit question, and now we're we're questioning our existences. Yeah, this has gone like really deep, but for the wrong reasons. Yeah, very deep. So, so thank you for that question, Johnny. I think we've both settled on he uses a toilet. Yeah. But thanks what, for what the weirdest like question. In Star Wars? That's a fun question. Maybe we'll Ooh, see that in Andor. You can just to say see the fresher in, Mandal- in the Mandalorian in the Razor Crest in one of the episodes. Oh, that's right. Um, it's, I think it's like just next to like the sleeping quarters, so you can just say see it. I wonder if that was like something going through Din Djarin's head when he got the new Naboo ship, where he's like, "Well, this is great, but where am I going to use a toilet?" Well, that's the thing, and like he can't even just sleep on his like, like ship and like go to, to bed. A much smaller car. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking <laughs> about that, and I was like, "Well, what's he gonna? Where's he gonna put the bounties? Like, he's got nowhere to store his bounties now, and he can't travel but around with his friends." I w- I saw a lot of people say that about the bounties, and I always got the sense he was kind of through bounty hunting now. True. Like he- He's he's accidentally become like the king of a planet in a way. So I think <laughs> I think he might have different priorities. Okay, but if he dis- if he somehow goes back to bounty hunting, think practically. That ship is not practical. No, but I suppose it's got a good trade in value. Oh yeah, that'll be a whole season of the show. Also, when you said Whirly put his bounties, my head thought about the coconut chocolate bars. Yeah, like, even Ooh. even when I asked it, I immediately thought of the chocolate bars. Whenever I get a car, I'm going to definitely have a compartment just full of bounty bears. I love it. <laughs> it's maybe the most controversial thing I've said on the air, but I, I'm I'm a bounty a bounty bear guy. I can just to say tolerate like a couple of like the out of small ones out of the celebrations. That's it. Oh right. Yeah. Okay, well, but tolerance is important. I think that's what we've always tried to preach on the show. Yeah. <laughs> Even towards people who like coconut chocolate. So that's good. I think, actually, no, tolerance is a good thing because if people are struggling at the moment with Andor, like, just stick with it, just tolerate it for the next, like, week or so, and trust me, it'll probably all work out for the best. Yeah, see, see how you like the heist. And if you don't like it, you don't have to watch it. There's a lot of great TV on, you know? I think, actually, the heist might be a, a point where a lot of people might be like, oh, actually, this is really, really good. Like, that might change yeah. a few people's minds. Hopefully, it gets people talking more. Yeah, or if not, maybe these people should wait till it's all out, like you with uh, Rings of Power, and just see, watch it all in one go, or, or watch it. Yeah, I mean, 
I completely understand if people do decide to wait because it is one of those series where you could not easily get away with waiting to watch it all because of the fact it is a slow burner. Mm. That's true. I suppose there's no there's no right or wrong to do these things, really. No, it's whatever your preference is. Yeah, but uh, regardless of what they do, they should definitely follow the Mondaylorians on Twitter, at Mondaylorians. I decided to see if I could segue into plugging the show. I don't know how graceful it was, but... Well, I like how we went from bounties, like the chocolate bar, to, to this. Well, I started off with Chewbacca using a toilet, <laughs> so... That's pretty much that's pretty much the, the the bar we've lowered to now. But Laura, it's great having you on. Thank you. I, I'm really happy we got to talk again. I'm glad to be back. Like I've been I've been waiting to come back to be honest. Cause I met, know you mentioned before about me coming back on at some point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And now we're in an interesting position because this month the the tales of the Jedi are starting up as well. Oh, so, I forgot about that. So did I, and. Uh, Dave and Jake reminded me. So we're going to have to think of how we're going to do the show with like two shows ongoing. So I think they're dropping in one day. So we'll see. Yeah, I think if like, I think the Tales of the Jedi, I think there's only is it six little episodes. I think so. Yeah. But yeah. Because I know Dave is such a Clone Wars guy. Is that's probably going to be our longest episode ever. Really? I hope, I hope he doesn't pick up on my exhaustion saying that. I like Clone Wars, but. Oh no, I like Clone Wars, but. <laughs> Crikey, that I, will I be a long episode. I can only talk about Count Dooku for so long, you know? But, uh, oh, crikey. Crikey. Yeah, but we'll see. I get very um, very cynical sometimes about recording lengths. I always try to keep it shorter. But, hey, who knows? Gold gold comes out. So, Laura, um, what are you up to? Do you have any plugs? Do you have any like socials you want to throw out there? You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at the Filmer Review. Um, I've been quite quiet on there, to be honest, for a a couple of weeks um i haven't had a chance to watch much lately i've been quite bu- uh, busy and then i've just got over like the second round of covid again oh blimey you yeah feel all right oh yeah I, I feel absolutely fine second round was nowhere bad as the first time just you know didn't exactly want it again <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i suppose i should ask you because it is the season what what like Halloween, like spooky stuff are you up to this year? Are you a horror movie person? No, the most scared. Well, the scariest things you will get me watching is like Stranger Things, anything to do with zombies and vampires. That is as far as I will go. I yeah. don't do horror. I like Halloween, like the aesthetic of it and the colours, but other than that, no, not for me. All oh, right. Uh, I- I've been having I've been having a grand old time watching, catching up on a lot of horror movies I've never seen, but. I used to be so scared of them. If I saw a trailer for one of them, it would give me a nightmare, you know? It doesn't give me, like, a nightmare watching the trailer, but it does, like, creep me out. It's one reason I hate seeing 15s or 18s at a cinema, because you can guarantee there's going to be a horror trailer. Well, that's funny you say that, because I used to work as a projectionist, and the rule used to be that you could only put horror movie trailers in front of horror movies. Oh, really? Regardless of age. And I I find it really annoying, because I think... Uh, projectionists actually shouldn't be doing it but they're being incredibly lazy yeah trailer selection in this country astonishes me honestly sometimes you'll see like trailers for kids stuff before adult movies and there's just no rhyme nor reason to it but i digress i went to see i can't remember if it was when i went i think it was when i went to see bullet train and they showed the trailer for smile and it freaked me out i was just like "Mm -mm, no thank you yeah, isn't that bizarre? Like, 
they're, they're asleep at the wheels in the cinema in this country, to be honest. Yeah. But I don't want to begrudge them. Everyone support your cinemas, obviously. But oh, definitely. Especially, especially with the news coming out in Scotland lately of all the cinemas closing down. It's, it's just heartbreaking. And I know Cineworld was having troubles uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah, they, I think they seem to be stable now, but yeah. we'll see how it goes because it all of them are like be a terrible loss for just like culture in the UK, whatever we have left of it, honestly. But, mm. uh, but that's a dour note to end on. Sorry about that, Laura. <laughs> Again, we, we started talking about like Halloween fun. I just got depressed. Yeah, we so went off one another tangents. <laughs> It's a sign I should have whiskey and another cigarette. <laughs> it's like Andor all over again. So oh, as for me, you can, you can follow me on Twitter at Niall the Glynn and on Letterboxd at Niall, Niall Glynn. So if you just follow me on Twitter, you'll find my other links there. I've got some articles going up for Cinerama, who of course host our show now, which is very exciting. Uh, I love working with them. Great bunch. And yeah, and you can find the Mondaylorians on Twitter at Mondaylorians. And whether you use Anch- Anchor, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever, subscribe, follow us, review us. It's all really appreciated. And I did this with Darren last week because this is the way it's more Mandalorian appropriate. Do you have a sign-off for this week, Laura? I think this is fitting because obviously one thing that the show is about, like Andor that is, so rebellions are built on hope. Rebellions are built on hope. I'll drink to that. (laughs) 